Hello and welcome back to another episode of Movie Bollocks with me, your host, Howard H. Smith. So, it's been a while, hasn't it? It was pre-Christmas before I did one of these. And so, in this particular episode, we are going to cover my Christmas viewing and everything since. I haven't counted how many movies it is, but it's a lot. And actually... Due to the miracle of the pause button, I can say it's 33 movies. I don't know why I've done that, because it's going to be in the description, isn't it? So you you already knew that. Never mind. Okay, you probably get the idea here. As always, I want to run with the caveat of these are my opinions, okay? I am not going to state that a movie is brilliant. Well, do you know what? I probably am. But if I do, that's my opinion, Yet you're free to have your own. It's entirely up to you whether you, uh, you know, whether you take on board any of my reviews or you don't. If you've already seen some of these and you disagree or you agree, it's it's all good. It's all good. There's no there's no losers here. Well, I really hope not. Anyway, um, but ultimately, it's all about opinions, isn't it? It really is. I mean, there's going to be some films here where you know you've got no intention of seeing them, and some that. Yeah, I've made my point, right? Okay, let's not mess around. Let's not piss about anymore. Let's get straight into the movies. First up, well, I did say it was around Christmas time, and it brings us Violent Night. Violent Night, I I enjoyed this. Um, David Harbour as Santa, you probably recognise him from Stranger Things. He's the big guy. And a few other things he's been in. Uh, John Leguizamo, who's always, you know, always good value, I believe the phrase is, and he's chewing the scenery up suitably here. Um, Beverly Diane, Beverly D'Angelo, those, you know, children of the uh, 70s and 80s, yep, you will all know her. Um, and I haven't seen her in anything for years, so it was great to see her back on the screen. Um, and Edie Patterson's always very funny. Okay, that's the people in it. What happens? Um, yeah... Well, basically, the 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 synopsis um, of the movie is when a group of mercenaries attack the estate of a wealthy family, Santa Claus must step in to save the day and Christmas. And that's pretty much what happens. Um, it's funny. It's uh, a violent night, so it is quite violent in places. And um, as regular viewers will know, that was a bit weird, wasn't it? That was a bit of a Kermit. Um, as regular listeners will know, there are no viewers. As regular listeners will know, I am I'm a bit partial to a bit of violence and um, also a bit of comedic violence, of which it's very good in this. Now, it's a box ticker, okay? It's not, you know, you're going to watch it and go, oh, I enjoyed that. No. Uh, you know, I, I hate to suggest how you're going to react. How I reacted was, do you know what? I enjoyed that. I'm not going to watch it again, but I've seen it. It was fun. Held my attention. Some violence, some jokes. You know, that's that's all I'm asking. That's it. It was okay. Fine. Not really much more to add to that other than, yeah, okay. Violent Night. It's It's literally all in the title. It really is. Next up, it's The Fablemans. Now, this is the um, Oscar-nominated movie by Steven Spielberg, loosely based on Steven Spielberg's um, life, which is, like, 
blindingly obvious as soon as you um, uh, as soon as you start watching it. I didn't know much about it when I watched it. So I, I mean, look, it's a Spielberg movie. Great performances um, from everybody. Great direction. I mean, you know, what, what do you expect? It's Steven Spielberg. Michelle Williams, she's great. You know, Paul Dano, he's great. Yeah, Judd she's great. Seth Rogen, he's great. Look, ultimately, I don't understand all the Oscar buzz and all of the statements on posters saying, you know, his his finest work to date. This is um, uh, Spielberg's classic. Really? To me, it was a slightly self-indulgent love letter to his childhood and cinema. Now, there's nothing wrong with that. Absolutely nothing wrong with it. And I watched it and thought, there's nothing wrong with that. It was all right. I enjoyed it. You know, there's no, there's definitely, there's definitely not a great deal of violence and comedy in this one, that's for sure. It's, it's fairly pedestrian. It's a story of a kid who discovers cinema and starts making films and... Yeah, goes on to work in Hollywood. Funnily enough, kind of knew that already. But yeah, The Fablemans, it's all right. It's well made. It's a Steven Spielberg. So you've got to watch it, really, haven't you? But I don't think anyone other than um, the most Spielberg-worshipping critics are going to say this is anywhere near his, his best work. But hey, that is just me. So... Next up, we have The Apology. Now, mm, violence. That's what lies at the heart of this film. Um, specifically, violence perpetrated upon women. Um, Anna Gunn is in the central role. role. Janine Garofalo is kind of kicking around. And Linus Roach is fantastic as the, as the male lead. Um, this is all about basically somebody turning up to apologise and what they're apologising for is huge um, it doesn't initially it's one of those movies where it starts, it sets up and straight away you think yeah, there's something not right here and you'd be right to think that and it's 90 minutes of which as regular listeners will know is a particularly fa particular favourite length of mine Um that sounds a bit weird, doesn't it? Um, uh, it, um, it it's it's a, mainly a two-hander. I'm not sure if this was written as a play initially. Um, it's very very limited on uh, location-wise, uh, but for 90 minutes, you are in the midst of this to and fro and push and pull of an apology and somebody unwilling to accept one and it's 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 violent it's gripping it's 90 minutes and i think it's it's worth 90 minutes of your time if i'm honest i enjoyed it um again i've seen it not going to go back but hey you know i have seen it next up um pinocchio Pinocchio, I watched this on Christmas Day. Not that you care, but I watched this on Christmas Day. It is the Guillermo del, Toma, del Toro reimagining of Pinocchio. And by that, he means it's... This is... To sum it up, this one is about... The original Pinocchio is about Pinocchio wanting to be accepted as a real boy, which has always struck me as a bit fucking weird. 
But in this one, it's more about Pinocchio wanting to be accepted for who he is, which is clearly a wooden boy. That is, that's massive. That that basically makes a completely different movie. Also, it's made so lovingly um, with stop motion animation. The sets are incredible. The work that has been done on this movie is incredible. There's there's uh, there's a monkey in it, which is amazing. And in the making of, it showed a scene where this monkey comes out of a house and sort of swings all the way down into the village. It took three months to film a section that is about 20 seconds. I mean, the, the labor of love that went into it. But all of that, all of that is rendered useless if it's not a decent adaptation, if the characters don't work, if the, um, you know, if, if the, if there hasn't, if it doesn't have a point, if it doesn't have a, a an interesting narrative, it doesn't draw you in, and it does. It's superb, um, and you know what? Ewan McGregor does a fantastic job of voicing um, uh, Mr. J Cricket, as he's referred to in this, and I really, really enjoyed it. And unlike everything I've mentioned so far, I will be watching this again. Yeah, that's right. The story of Pinocchio that everybody knows. I'm going to be watching it again. Just beautifully, beautifully, beautifully made. Really is. And I absolutely loved it. Next up, Glass Onion. Yes, it's that one where um, you have Daniel Craig um, doing his best Deep South accent. I'm not, that's, is that the Deep South? I'm not going to start on the accents anyway. Um, Glass Onion, full of absolutely full of stars um if you've seen the previous one in this um uh, in this series then you'll know exactly what to expect um it's glass onion a knives out mystery to give you an idea here's the cast daniel craig edward norton kate huston dave batusta uh uh janelle monet Catherine han yeah i mean everybody's in it uh, Jessica Henwick. Anyway, is it any good? Is it any good? Yes, it is. If you like, put it this way, if you liked Glass Onion, uh, sorry, if you liked Knives Out, then you'll like Glass Onion. Um, twists all over the place. Never quite sure what's going on, who done what, but really well executed, enjoyable. Nothing more than that. Um, uh, it, it's just, but I, yeah, two hours and it gripped me and I was in for the whole two hours enjoyable knockabout funny at times um mysterious and like i said you know a little, little bit of violence here and there i don't think i did say that actually but there is a little bit of violence here and there well there is there's deaths it's a fucking murder mystery enjoyable yeah great wonderful don't you know don't really really have much to say about it other than that now next up is a bit of a strange one this one is called A Wounded Fawn, um, and it stars Sarah Lind, Josh Rubin, uh, Maylene Barr, and, you know, a few other people. Is it any good? That's the question, isn't it? Um, I don't know. I, yeah, that's right. I said this. This is a movie podcast where I review movies, and is it any good? I don't know. It's not a great start, is it? That should tell you kind of, well, put it this way, it's 90 minutes and I I kind of enjoyed probably about 30 of them. 
and uh, and I found the rest a bit frustrating. Um, I'm sure there are people who will absolutely love this movie. I'm not one of them. Um, again, I don't want to give too much away, but it's well. Here we go. Here we go. Um, right, a serial killer brings an unsuspecting new victim on a weekend getaway to add another body to his ever-growing count. She's buying into his faux charms, and he's eagerly lusting for blood. What could possibly go wrong? Okay, I've kind of, I've kind of in my head, I've mixed this up with another film. <laughs> so my apologies about that. Yeah, this one's not that one. I think I reviewed it last time. Right. So anyway, wounded fawn. I'm not going to start. I'm not starting again. So it's a twist. It's a take. There is this cabin in the woods. It's one of them movies. So, you know, oh, the woods going to come alive. I don't know. Maybe. But maybe I've mentioned it. So maybe they do. I don't know. You know I mean, I do know. I'm just not saying. Um, yeah, I, I did not find this movie strangely gripping. And apparently quite a few people did. Um, there was just something about it that didn't draw me in that I felt was a little bit off. Um, it, it and and it's strange because a lot of it, a lot of stuff in this movie is stuff I like. It's stuff that I would like, but there's just I don't something about it that just didn't ring not didn't ring true. It's a work of fiction, but there's something it didn't ring true about it. It just felt just tonally a little bit off, um, and. Yeah, I mean it's 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 kind of a revenge movie. It, I, for me, I think it tries to be a lot of things, and when you know when anything, if it's music, comedy, film, whatever, there's a danger if if it's trying to do too many things, it ends up doing nothing well. It you know, and and it, it gets a bit lost, and that's how I found um, a wounded fawn, just a little bit lost. And that is a theme that is continued with the next movie, which is being absolutely showered with awards, and that is The Banshees of Inisherin. Um I mean, if you are any kind of sort of moviegoer, movie buff, you just like movies, whatever, a bit like myself, then you probably already know about the Banshees of Inisherin, and you know what I say is going to have very little, very little meaning. Um, the thing is, for me, it was um, it's it's just an odd one. It stars um, Colin Farrell and uh, Brendan Gleeson, and there's Kerry Condon's in it, and yeah, a few other people. But basically, it's it's very Brent, Brendan Gleeson and Colin Farrell heavy. Um, and, I, I, you know, I've heard all sorts of different opinions and versions and uh, of, of how much people have enjoyed it. I thought it was all right. I watched it and I thought, I've watched that. And that, I, I just do not get any of the um, praise. Well, no, I get some of the praise, but I, I don't get the volume of praise and the awards being thrown at this and everything. I just don't get it. I really don't. It's a very simple story, very well told, some great acting in it. But that was kind of it. I don't know. It, I, it never drew me in. I never truly 
truly cared about the characters, to be honest. I just kind of felt like, oh, yeah, whatever. But basically, one of the characters who's known the other guy, they've been mates for years and years and years, and um, Brendan Gleeson suddenly tells Colin Farrell, look, you know, I'm not your mate anymore. I don't want to be your friend anymore. And that's it. And you know then ensues Colin Fowle trying to prevent that situation from happening and escalation between the two as to what will happen if he keeps bugging him and I, I don't know I just didn't I just I was like yeah okay these two fucking idiots are being fucking idiots and they're not going to be friends anymore I don't give a shit to be honest I don't care if they're I mean they can be friends for the rest of their lives or they can both walk into the sea tomorrow I just didn't fucking care and I, 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 you know, maybe I'm some heartless bastard, but I, I just found nothing here to get excited about. Having said that, next movie, I did. And the weird thing about this is it's kind of like, I don't know, it's not not my kind of, of movie normally. Um, Mrs. Harris Goes to Paris. Starring Leslie Manville, she is absolutely wonderful in this. And the, um, I, I, how much of a lovey do I say? Oh, she's absolutely wonderful in this. Um, a window, uh, sorry, a widowed cleaning lady in the 1950s London falls madly in love with a, um, a couture Dior dress and decides that she must have one of her own. And off she goes to Paris. She gets, uh, you know, a lot of people looking down the nose at her. Um, and it, it, it's a fish out of water, feel good movie that I really, really enjoyed. And I've I, honestly, it is just, it, it, it's it's not gonna, it, it's not, you know, it's not pushing any envelopes. It's not expounding boundary, boundaries. It is just a feel good story, really well told. I mean, that, uh, you know, a widow cleaning lady in the 50s falls madly in love with a couture Dior dress, decides that she must have one of their own. She goes to Paris and goes after the dress. And that's that's the entire film right there. And and yet it is so well done. It's almost like for me, for me, it was a polar opposite of the Banshees of Inisherin, which is really simply idea, real simple idea, you know, well told. All right, but I, I just didn't buy into it. It didn't draw me in. It didn't engage me. And yet... Mrs. Harris Goes to Paris really, really did. I really enjoyed it. And, you know, maybe it was just because it was, um, uh, you know, Christmas time. Maybe I was just in the right mood. I just needed something that was going to be enjoyable, but, you know, not not make my brain work. But And that's not to put it down. It is a feel-good movie that I really enjoyed. Um, now, next up... This could not be described as a feel-good movie. Um, it is the movie She Said, which is basically the movie of um, the Me Too uh, explosion. And, um, yeah, I I enjoyed it. Carrie Mulligan's in it. Love Carrie Mulligan. Um, Zoe Kazan, who I also really, really rate. She's great. In fact, you know, everyone's in it, and everyone's good in it. Emma O'Connor, you know, there's the, there's it, 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 it's... And a truly worthy film that was worthy of making. It concentrates very much on everything up until it all kicking off. So you get all of the background, you get 
basically the the story that you don't know because everybody tends to know what happened once everything broke well the the movie is everything that happens up until that point so there is a you know there is a great deal um to learn about i just felt that it wasn't particularly cinematic and that it was it was a bit of a it was just a bit of a a plod a bit of a kind of just okay this happened and then this happened and then this happened and then this happened and that's why that happened and then boom the end um yeah it just it felt i don't know it left me thinking would i prefer to have watched this or would i been better off just watching a documentary that covered the same point and i i kind of ended up feeling like it i kind of ended up feeling like do you know what sort of needs a I, I, I think I would have preferred a documentary just to go totally for the facts and, and get that that whole story in a, a in a more factual delivery because as I said I just didn't feel that this really came to life as a movie but one big big shout out has to go to um Leslie Judd who as you find out in this movie she was the big name she sorry Ashley Judd who the hell's Leslie Judd okay don't know sorry anyway Ashley Judd she is the one Hollywood actress still working that was prepared to risk her whole career and go on the record and that was admirable and Ashley Judd is in the movie playing Ashley Judd and um, look I, you know Me Too no doubt needed to happen the the legend of the casting couch has been around since the dawn of time and and yet was so accepted by everybody um, it's it's almost like a, oh there's nothing wrong with it yeah there is yeah yeah expecting to get laid to hand out jobs, no matter what the industry, is bullshit. So, yeah, it was completely right to expose it. What happened after that? And, and you know, better people than me have gone into, um, uh, have gone into detail about this um, and the threats to legal due process and everything else because nothing happens in a vacuum. Even if something is 100% right, there may still be a knock-on that isn't. So... I'm not going to comment on any of that. What I am going to say is, yeah, it, it tells a gripping story, but just not in a particularly gripping way. Next up, um, I, I kind of haven't mentioned where you can get any of these, but I'm thinking, do you know what? If you're really, if you're really into um, any of these films, you're going to track them down somehow. Next up on Netflix, White Noise. Um, I... I don't know. I, I I was drawn in by the trailer of this, and it's a really odd movie. It really is. Um, I mean, it stars Adam Driver and Greta uh, Gerwig, and Don Cheadle as well. Now, this is one of those movies I bought into it. It's written by Noah Baumbach, who is uh, responsible for quite a few quite a few movies. Um, I mean, that's a bit of a, a gloss over. Not everybody is mad about his style. Um, 
it's quite a navel gazing movie it's um set well let, let me give you um I'll, I'll give you the the, the um uh, the premise dramatizes a contemporary American family's attempts to deal with the mundane conflicts of everyday life while grappling with universal mysteries of love, death, and the possibility of happiness in an uncertain world. I don't, I don't really think that I don't really think that does it any justice at all. To be honest, um, there is there is big drama in this. There are big events that are. Um, uh, there's a whole. Uh, undercurrent of what's going on with the family a mother has got pills stashed somewhere we're not quite sure why the family is made up of several marriages several kids from different marriages um and all in all it's um i mean there are there are bits in it that are absolutely hilarious and there are bits in it that are that, i mean it's a real reach of the imagination um there is an accident that means the, the this family have to evacuate their home. I'm not giving too much away here, and it's it's about the journey, what happens, and everything that it affects. And I went on that journey with this family, and I and I really enjoyed it. I really did. It's not for everybody, that is for sure. Um, and it is two and a quarter hours, but it kept me, you know, kept hold of me for two and a quarter hours. Really quite enjoyed it, and I have to say that I'm really going to go out there and say this. The end credits, the final scene and credits of this movie are the best end credits and final scene I've ever seen. Absolutely incredible. And if you've got Netflix and you're not asked with this movie or you've tried to just go to the end, go to the last scene and watch the last scene, which then becomes the credits as well. And it is incredible incredible what they've managed to achieve um going to the supermarket will never be quite the same again so one movie i'm sure you're all expecting to hear about is the next one and that is avatar 2 the way of water so you've heard all about it from everybody else what do i think um, I think the story is weak. I think the script is uh, you know, loads of bros and cousins in there. You can tell this that they started making this quite a few years ago and language has moved on whilst they were making it. Um, uh, yeah, very, very, very wooden dialogue at times um, and utterly fucking brilliant. I absolutely loved it. And I am going to sound like a real lovey here. And honestly, whether it was the mood I was in, I don't know. But um, there were two points in this movie where I found myself welling up. That's right, welling up. Because it was so beautiful. Because it was like watching a... Um, it was like watching an Attenborough movie for a planet that... I've never gone to and I'm never going to go to. Um, I mean, without doubt, you can pick holes in this film if you want. You can tear it apart. But if you're in, you're in. And if you're out, you're out. I love the first one and I love this one as well. Next up, could not be more different, Wildcat. It's a documentary on um, Amazon and... This is, I mean, 
a rewarding watch? Is it fun? No. Is it rewarding? Yes. Is it an emotional fucking roller coaster? Hell, yeah. Um, it's a it's a documentary, as, um, as I stated before, um, and I'll give you the premise. Back from war in Afghanistan, a young British soldier struggling with depression and PTSD finds a second chance in the Amazon rainforest where he meets an American scientist and together they foster an orphaned baby ocelot. Now, that does not sound like the basis of a one hour and 45 minute documentary, but it will rip your heart out and stamp on it. If this movie doesn't move you, then you are fucking dead. Check your pulse. You are dead. Um, what can I say? Just incredible, incredible. The the and and I mean this because of um, what they're doing, where they're doing it, the wildlife, the conditions they're doing it under. Um, the the dude's mental state which is clearly you know he's he's struggling he's struggling big time and as you would when you hear some of the things that he saw and went through in Afghanistan it, it is uh, i yeah i i i can't do this film justice with words i really can't what i can say is just just watch it. One hour, 46 minutes. It's on Amazon. It's called Wildcat. And, yeah, I mean, I, I, I messaged somebody, said, check this out. And they messaged me back two hours later and went, um, I kind of want to thank you for that, but I kind of don't as well because I'm in pieces now. So, yeah, if you're feeling a bit fragile or vulnerable, don't watch it. <laughs> just fantastic. Next up, Mad Heidi. Um, it's all right. It was it was crowdfunded. There's some people in it. It's it's okay. I mean, it's really really. Well, it's crowdfunded, and they've done a good job. Well done. They got it made. Um, it just didn't appeal to me at all. Um, it reminded me of the kind of rubbish films, low quality rubbish eighties. Um, sort of knockabout kind of movie it's set in Switzerland there's lots of cheese um, I couldn't be asked with it I can't even be asked reviewing it to be honest there you go um, next up uh, The Pale Blue Eye mmm The Pale Blue Eye so the weird thing about this is I, I it came out on Netflix I knew nothing about it stars Christian Bale um, a world-weary detective is hired to investigate the murder of a West Point cadet. Stymied by the cadet's code of silence, he enlists one of their own to help unravel the case, a young man the world would come to know as Edgar Allan Poe. I mean, the fact that, that somebody is in it is supposed to be Edgar Allan Poe is, to be honest, absolutely... It's just... An, it's almost an irrelevance. Um, Christian Bale is your investigator. Harry Melling is Edgar Allan Poe. He's he's brilliant in the role. Simon McBurney is a captain. Timothy Spall's there. Toby Jones is there. I mean, come on. It's, you know, it's British actor-tastic. It really is. And I really enjoyed it. There's the right amount of intrigue. There's a right amount of sort of supernatural being hinted at. You're not quite sure 
at any point what you know who did it where's it going why is this happening it does a really really good job of keeping you on your toes um two hours long two hours and eight minutes to be exact but you know and um yeah i i mean i recommend it um but dodgy territory recommending movies i enjoyed it that what can i say i really enjoyed it um it's um it's not a contemporary piece you know it is set back in um the 19th 18th century something like that um but i you know i i enjoyed it i enjoyed it um and it's quite funny because one of the first uh, reviews on um imdb was eight out of ten and the headline is stop complaining about the length of movies <laughs> it's cool it, it, this is one of those films where you know, at no point was I thinking, oh, it's a bit slow, it needs to hurry up. Normally, I can find a way of getting any movie down to 90 minutes, but not this. This was really cool, and I really enjoyed it. Now, something that is not new at all. It is, in fact, quite old. Um, I watched Prometheus again, and um, I just wanted to give it a shout-out. I, I really, really enjoyed it. I remember at the time... It got some it got some pretty harsh reviews, and I really enjoyed it. I just thought that um, the way the whole thing comes together and the look of the movie is still absolutely brilliant. Um, and I yeah, I really 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 enjoyed it. Uh, uh, the rewatch, as I did also Alien Covenant. Yeah, that's right. Enjoyed Prometheus so much. I went to Alien Covenant. And I really enjoyed that as well. So not so much a review, but just a little shout out to those two aliens. And the, the, the third part of the trilogy is on its way. Of course, it's been delayed because of the pandemic, but we are going to get it sometime soon. Um, and the next movie is a documentary and it is called Incognito, A Life and Death on Stage. Well, Incognito, or Cogs to his friends, um, is a stand-up comedian who's an absolutely brilliant, abrasive, daring, in-your-face stand-up comedian. And I was, I never, I never gigged with him and I never met him. I've got, you know, loads of my, loads of my fellow comedians and friends have knew him. Um, It was just one of those guys that our paths never crossed. Um, But it was, um, a real, real, real... Uh, it was a bit of a tearjerker for me. Um, I'm not giving anything away because the title does it. He he did die on stage. And um, there's something about that that is, that is awesome. There's also something that's in- incredibly poignant and sad about it. And um, I, I, I had no intention of watching this. It just popped up on one of my feeds and I was like oh yeah I'll give that a go see if there's you know there's there's bound to be a few comics I know are in it and there is tons but I I was absolutely utterly drawn in and um by the end of it I just couldn't and this is particularly personal to me but by the end of it I just kind of felt like I'd really lost out not ever having gigged with him or or know or knowing him or or meeting him um I mean, I, you know, his legend on the circuit is massive. And, um, yeah, I've, I found it really, really moving. I, and, and maybe that's just maybe that's just me. 
um, because obviously I'm a, a stand-up as well. But um, he really is a comedian that's worth people's time and he doesn't really tend to get anybody's time. So if you can find the time for Incognito, a life and death on stage, I think you'd really enjoy it. 80 minutes, come on. There's, you know, there's not, not much better ways of spending 80 minutes. Um, next up, a movie called Sick, which funnily enough is also just over 80 minutes. And if I was choosing between this and Incognito, A Life and Death on Stage, I would go with Cogs. Um, it's listed as a horror thriller due to the pandemic. Parker and her best friend decide to quarantine at a family lake house alone. Or so they think. I mean, it's a nuts and bolts home invasion. Not that they're at home, but they're staying at somebody else. It's a nuts and bolts home invasion with a COVID twist to it, which didn't really give it an edge over any other home invasion kind of movie. I found it procedurally um, you know, satisfactory. There you go. Put that on the fucking poster. Procedurally satisfactory. It's all right. There's just too many moments in, me, in it for me where I just wanted to kick someone's fucking head in for being an idiot. It's just one of those films you're like, if this is, if the, you know, you, you can't help but get drawn in and you're the person in the situation and you just think, oh, fuck off with your choices. Really? Just fuck off with your choices that people only make in movies. Fuck off in general. But if you're in the mood for something dumb like that, go for it. Yeah, I watched it and went, yeah, well, that was that. 80 minutes and I was I, it, I was struggling by the end anywho next up this is a rediscovery well not a rediscovery it can't be a rediscovery because I've I'd never watched it before um, this is a movie from 2010 a whole 13 years ago god you're a bit late to the party on this one aren't you Howard yeah I am so fucking sue me skip the review Repo Men, starring Jude Law, Forrest Whitaker, Alice Braga, Liv Schreiber. Um, it's 13 years old, for fuck's sake. I mean, you know, you probably know all about this movie. I didn't, all right? Sorry. Um, set in the near future, when artificial organs can be brought, bought on credit, it revolves around a man who struggles to make the payments on a heart he has purchased. He must therefore go on the run before said ticker is repossessed. And I really enjoyed it. I mean, everybody, everybody's great in it. Um, and there is, there's, it, it keeps you guessing. And yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. It's, it's an adventure. Jude Law's really good in it. Forrest Whitty, everybody's really good in it. There's, you know, I, it's a really, really solid sci-fi movie that I can't believe has taken me so long to get around to. So apologies if you saw this 13 years ago. Just catching up with it myself, and um, yeah, I thought it was—I thought it was really good. Maybe not so good is Blood Relatives. Again, ninety minutes. Really, Howard, you should love it. It's ninety minutes. You always bang on about movies being ninety minutes. Yes, I know. It's about vampires as well. Fucking hell, Howard, you love vampires. You love movies that are ninety minutes long. This must have been seriously shit if you didn't enjoy it. Uh, I wouldn't go that far. 
A vampire's loner lifestyle is thrown into disarray when a teenager shows up claiming to be his daughter. I mean, fucking hell, is that an old premise or not? It is very old. They just happen to be vampires. On a road trip across America's blacktops, they decide how to sink their teeth into family life. <laughs> I get it, eh? Sink their teeth into... Oh, fucking hell. <laughs> um... There's some nice bits in this. Noah Sagan is the is the dad. Victoria Morales is the daughter. Uh, they're vampires. There's some nice set pieces, but also ultimately, I did find my fucking attention waning. Really, um, yeah. It, it's just there was a, a quality. Um, well, I, <laughs> I've just scanned through uh, IMDb. Two out of ten. Utterly pointless. Not funny or scary. Um, I feel that this movie will be covered by the How Did This Get Made podcast in the not-too-distant future. Ah, little uh, advert there for the uh, uh, How Did This Get Made podcast. And while I'm doing that, how about an advert for A Year in Horror? Motherfuckers! Get subscribed if you're not subscribed already. Because... Uh, I'm on there regularly. <laughs> no, it's just great. If you want horror, if you want a horror movie podcast, it is the go-to place. Also, there is so much content produced every month. It is absolutely brilliant. Um, and myself and the host Paul Waller, singer of Oms and host of the podcast, does a brilliant job. Gets loads of special guests on from all over the place. Um, and including some people I've never managed to get hold of. Don't know how he does it. We do a, a Patreon-only podcast together as well on movies. So if you want to check that out, sign up to Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Howard H. Smith. There will be a link in the title. But back to this not funny, not scary um, blood relatives. Yeah, um, and I, it's, from, it's a Shudder movie. It's made by Shudder, so it should be... Maybe I'm holding it to higher standards. Um, it's all right. And I'm afraid all right doesn't really cut it for me. It's not It's not really good enough, in my opinion. So there you go. Um, next up, a film from 2001. Howard, it's taken you 22 years to get around to watching The Last Castle. What's wrong with you? I don't know. It's it's on Netflix. It stars Robert Redford, James Gandolf Gandolfini, rest in peace, Mark Ruffalo, Delroy Lindo. I mean, you know, how could I not have seen this? What a great cast. It's just, yeah. A court-martialed general rallies together 1,200 inmates to rise against a corrupt and sadistic warden. And that's pretty much it. But you know what? The way it's done, the performances. I mean, you heard the cast there. I, I just, it, it's got that real old school, really enjoyable movie vibe about it. It really has. Um, it's on Netflix. Um, it's also, I think you can rent it on Amazon as well. In fact, you can. It's only £2.49 as well. But if you haven't seen The Last Castle by now, I mean... You know, you probably all have. I'm the only one who hasn't. But, yeah, really enjoyed it. A really cool old school fucking movie that is, yeah, what a vibe. Made me feel 10 years younger. <laughs> um, now, next up, I reckon a movie that some of you will definitely be expecting me to review. Well, yes, I am. And it is Megan 
or M3 gun, whatever you want to call it. A robotics engineer at a toy company builds a lifelike doll that begins to take on a life of its own. Um, yeah, okay. Alison Williams, she's the mum. She's great. Violet McGraw, daughter, she's great. Ronnie Cheng is a kind of twisted company boss. He's great. Yeah, you know, there's performances to admire. Um, the, the, the concept to admire. But the thing is, for me here, it's it's described as a horror sci-fi thriller. Now, for me, it is neither horrific nor thrilling. There are horrific and thrilling elements to the movie, but that doesn't make it a, you know, it, that doesn't make it a horror thriller. Sci-fi, yes, obviously, because... It's an android girl. And shout out to the girl who plays the, um, the the android, Jenna Davis. She is absolutely amazing. The The physicality, the physical acting is brilliant. Um, and th I don't know, just talking about it now, there are some scenes that I remember that I, that I really enjoyed. And there's, there's bits of it that are great. But for me, it just didn't hang together as a movie and it's one hour 42 minutes again I think do you know what 90 minutes would have done it such a favor losing 10 baggy minutes would have really helped um I'm I, I, it, it it's an entertainish in ish watch uh I, you know I, I did I, I at the end of it I wasn't like oh fucking I'll waste my time but at the end of it I just kind of felt like yeah that was all right Shame it wasn't as good as it could have been, or in fact, as it hinted at itself at times. Um, yeah, I, I, I just left me feeling a little bit underwhelmed, a little bit kind of... So, yeah, what was that all about? Um, and I guess this is it. It's If they'd set out to make a horror... I think I would have enjoyed that more. And if they'd set out to make a thriller, I think I'd have made enjoyed that more. Um, if they'd, yeah. And as it is, as I was saying earlier, for me, it just falls between a few stools. Now, I know Mark Kermode has been going on about how saying it's, a, it's not a horror, it's a satire. Uh, you see, another way of describing satire is comedy that's not funny, that is basically comedy that... Um, you're supposed to go, you're supposed to nod knowingly at because, oh, that's very clever. Oh, that's a statement about that, isn't it? Oh, yes, that's very clear. Yeah, that doesn't work for me. Comedy is either funny or it isn't. And a lot of satire gets away with not being funny. You know, like black comedy. Oh, right, you mean not funny. It's, it, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm crossing the streams here. I've got, I've got my comedy head on. But, um, and I'm kind of reviewing Mark Kermode's review. I'm not, but there you go. So anyway, yeah, Megan or M3gan, for me, ultimately, disappointing. Let's hope M4gan will be better. <laughs> Morgan or M4gan. That's, I guarantee that'll be the next one and it'll be a boy. That's, I'm putting that out there. And if they don't make it, they'll fucking do it myself and it'll be better than M3gan. So, next up, the menu. Now, again check out the fucking cast. Ralph Fiennes, um, although he does insist in being called Rafe, 
balls to that. Ralph Fiennes, Anna Taylor-Joy, Nicholas Holt, Hong Shao, who's brilliant in it, Janet McTeer, Paul Adelstein, John Leguizamo pops up again, Amy Caro, Reed Burney. These are people that Judith Light, you will recognise them. You'll have seen them in things. Rebecca Kuhn, Rob Yang, everybody in it. Sorry, I've, I've stopped reading everybody out, but everybody in it is great. Everybody in it does their bit. Um, the premise of the movie a young couple travels to a remote island to eat an exclusive restaurant where the chef has prepared a lavish menu with some shocking surprises I don't want to give too much away about this movie because it does keep you guessing all the way through um, now talk about a satire this is how you fucking do satire this is a satire on nouveau cuisine on um, arrogant chefs on overpriced restaurants it is I, I fucking loved the menu I loved it and I, don't, I mean the movie not no, the menu at the menu was fucking bizarre but um, yeah I really really enjoyed the menu um, it was at times it was funny it was constant constant mystery constantly going left and right I'm, I'm I'm always trying to race ahead and trying to predict what's going to happen and yeah, look, you know how it is uh, I, I, if you do that then you know how it is if you don't do that then you don't know how it is that was a bit fucking vague of me wasn't it one hour and 47 minutes well do you know what fucking I would not trim a single minute of this movie um, I, it, you, you get a weird feeling almost straight away that everything is not as it should be and that very that comes to fruition very quickly not giving too much away um i mean i think i could watch anna taylor joy just read the phone book out to be honest she's fantastic in this but I, it's not just her ralph fines is brilliant as the as the arrogant dickhead chef chef slowick um uh, nicholas holt is great as a complete and total dickhead he seems to play those roles brilliantly and you know whatever everybody's wonderful in it um, there are laughs there is absolute fucking horror in this as well um, I mean, but would I would I describe it I mean it's it's described as a comedy horror thriller um, and you know what I'm gonna say all three of those constituent parts are in the movie um, for me it's a thriller horror comedy but again it's not horror as in oh bloody hell there's a creature in the woods it's more about the horrific nature of of the human condition it's it, it it's not i just said that because that's the kind of bullshit you hear people say about films but um yeah i really really enjoyed the menu and um uh, yeah a lot to say about a lot of things brilliant cast and yeah, I really, really enjoyed it. So, hope you enjoy it, if you see it. Now, next up is a bit of a disappointment. I'm coming out there right at the beginning and saying that, but, you know, why the hell not? I'm, I've, I've just got to say it. It's a bit of a disappointment. It is Lamborghini Man. Now, this is the true story of Lamborghini. Now... I have been um, uh, drooling over, Lam over Lamborghinis since I was a child. 
And this is the life story of, of Ferruccio Lamborghini, the founder of Lamborghini. That's it. And you know what? That very brief synopsis is a really good way of highlighting the the kind of brief skim over um, the guy's life this seems to take. It's, I mean, he created one of the most insane car companies that's ever existed from a company that made tractors. He took on Ferrari head to head. This is a fucking incredible story. It's not an incredible movie. It's not incredibly told. It's just... You know sometimes where you, you see a movie and you go, wow, that was amazing. If that wasn't true, you'd say they'd made it up. This is the opposite of that. It's like, wow, this is true. And it's a lot more exciting in real life than the film they've made of it. And that's just really sad. Frank Grillo's in it, though. He does a good job of uh, playing the, the title role. Mia Savino's in it, plays his wife. Um, and Gabriel Byrne is listed as starring in it. I mean, his screen time is about fucking five minutes maximum. And, uh, yeah, just, yeah, a real, real lost opportunity, uh, in my humble opinion. Um, I mean, I do like Frank Grillo. I mean, he's, he's pretty much great in everything. Um, but, yeah, just a missed opportunity. Next up, a movie that has won a shed load of awards, and rightly so. All Quiet on the Western Front. You can see it on Netflix. It's a German movie. You can dub it. You can watch it with subtitles. My only, um, my only worry about this was that, um, well, let me, um, uh, let me give you the actual um, synopsis of the movie. Right. The synopsis is a young German soldier's terrifying experiences and distresses on the Western Front during World War One. The story follows teenagers Paul Baumer and his friends Albert and Muller, who volunteer voluntarily enlist in the German army. Now, uh, yeah, uh, riding a wave of patriotic fervor. Now, I was thinking oh god you know we get, there's going to be loads of lead up to them you know d d having the conversation about oh shall we sign about i just thought well, I, you know there's going there's going to be it's going to there's going to be a fair bit of entree before we get to the main course oh how wrong i was howard you fucking idiot you don't make films what do you know nothing that's what i know the way it's done the way it starts the first 20 minutes i was absolutely gripped i was all in and um, it's it's pretty horrific from the word go. And I, what can I say other than it was really... It's not an enjoyable movie, um, nor should it be. It's two and a half hours of just really great filmmaking. Um, and it would be wrong to, to single out any of the actors. I'm not just avoiding pronouncing German names, but I kind of am. But everybody in it is superb. And it is a real achievement. Um, it's, it's, if you saw, if you've seen the movie 2017, um, uh, sorry, 1917, 2017. If you've seen the movie 1917, it's not like, it's not like that, okay? It's not like that at all. This is in no way an adventure. This is gripping, shitty reality 
of war and it is brilliantly portrayed the fact that it's a german movie also seems to give it that extra twist it seems to give it that extra it's it's a it's a view on everything that you haven't seen before um from the other side of the of the trench literally uh not fence trench so yeah i i mean really even just as a even just as a historical you know footnote it needs watching excellent difficult watch but excellent so next up wakanda forever black panther wakanda forever the people of Wakanda fight to protect their home from in, inter, uh, intervening world powers as they mourn the death of King T'Challa. King T'Challa, of course, um, tra- is Chadwick Boseman, who did die in real life from cancer after the first one was released. And what an awesome actor he was. And his, his legacy in this film is beautifully handled right at the beginning. His on-screen funeral is excellent. And Marvel really do a nice job of paying tribute to him. And uh, if I'm honest, that was the highlight. Yep, the first two minutes. Wakanda went on forever. Um, it's It felt like that. It's two hours and 41 minutes long. Had a lot of a lot of scenes where I'm thinking, hang on, didn't I, didn't I, haven't I already seen this bit? Um, uh, you know, acting all, you know, all great, yeah, Letitia Wright, Lupita Nyong'o, uh, everybody in it, yeah, wonderful, Angela Bassett, yeah, all, all, all great, Martin Freeman, yeah, as the spineless fucking um, uh, government employee, yeah, Julia Louise Dreyfus with her new face, which means she doesn't look like her anymore, um, yeah, I mean, everybody's in there, everybody's doing their best, but I don't know, it, it just... It just felt, it fell a bit flat for me. It really did. It really felt a bit, just a bit flat. Yeah. Wakanda really did seem to go on forever. Okay, next up, Nocebo. Weird title, Nocebo. N-O-C-E-B-O, Nocebo. Uh, I guess that's kind of like placebo. Um, It is a new film on Netflix. And I thought, ooh, that looks interesting. I'm going to give that a go. It stars Eva Green and Mark Strong. Um, a fashion designer suffers from mysterious illness that puzzles her doctors and frustrates her husband until help arrives in the form of a Filipino, care- Filipino carer who uses traditional folk healing to reveal a horrifying truth. Or is she trying to heal her at all? Right, literally within the first five, ten minutes, you're in. Like, something fucking weird as shit happens and you go, right, okay, where the fuck's this going? Um, it's it's an old take on the somebody arrives to take care of somebody, but are they really taking care of them? I mean, we've seen this countless, countless times. Um, it's well done. It's well acted. It's a different take. It's interesting. Um, and it's, boom, in one hour, 36 minutes. Um I have recommended some people. Some people have enjoyed it and some people haven't. I, I did enjoy it. So there you go. Um, I've, I've, I've given as little away as possible. Um, but although it is pretty, pretty creepy um, and at times pretty... Uh, is it scary? Mm, I'm not sure if it's scary. But um, yeah, worth a watch if you're in the mood for something that is a bit... 
bit you know a bit fucking wonky a bit a bit horrifying and um, yeah all that kind of thing I've, I've really copped out of that review haven't I? i've just gone Ugh. that's not any kind of fucking review is it but hopefully you get what that noise means um Okay, next up from 2015. Howard, why didn't you watch this eight years ago? I don't know, for fuck's sake. Stop having a go. The inside true story of the execution, rousing aftermath and ultimate downfall of the kidnappers of beer tycoon Alfred Freddy Heinegan in 1983, which resulted in the largest ransom ever paid for an individual. And it's one of those stories, unlike the story of Lamborghini... Um, this was a story I didn't know, but unlike the story of Lamborghini, it's a, it's a, it's an incredible story that is told incredibly well. Well done, everybody. Um, absolutely worth watching. Uh, if you don't know the story, I didn't know anything about it. I didn't even know there was somebody called Freddie Heinegan, but the fucking is. Jim Sturvish, St- Jim Sturgis, Sam Worthington, Ryan Quanton, Anthony Hopkins is Freddie Heinegan in it. So, you know, it's, it's not shit. Um, yeah, I enjoyed it. It's um, it's in depth and gives you the whole story that you never knew. But if you did know it, then good for you. I didn't, but yeah, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. Good acting, um, well played out, and yeah, worth a watch for a true story. Unlike Lamborghini. Next up, a movie I'm just going to call because this is what it's called, Plane. It's just called Plane. It stars Gerard Butler. This is a plane! So, you you know, we're not fucking around here. Now, as much as I'm taking the piss, and, you know, of Gerard Butler, I really enjoyed this. I really did. Um, they, I mean, I'm not giving anything away here. He's a pilot. Plane goes down, and it's about what happens next. Now... That sounds really simple. What they've done with it is really cool. Where they land and what happens, it's it's one of those, right, okay, you know, you kind of think that the main thing in this movie would be, like, you know, a plane crash or, you know, what, what, what the fuck's going on here, you know. Well, you know what? They've, they, I, 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 yeah, I thought it was quite inventive. Now, some of you may watch it and go, utter bollocks, Howard, but hour and 47 minutes... Uh, a pilot finds himself caught in a war zone after he's forced to land his commercial aircraft. So that's kind of giving it away, hasn't it, really? There, I was trying to avoid doing that, but fuck it. If that's what the actual fucking tagline in the movie is, there you go. Stars Gerard Butler. There's not really anybody else in it that you're going to go, oh, I know him from... There's a lot of people where you're going to be like, oh, wasn't he in... Oh, yeah, but I don't know what his name is. It's those kind of people. So he's he's really up front and leading the way on this is Gerard. And um, I really enjoyed it. I really, really enjoyed it. Mike Coulter as a, as a an escaped, well, not an escaped convict, but a convict, um, is really cool as well. It's well acted, it's well done, and I found it really engaging, pretty darn thrilling. For a movie called Plane, starring Gerard Butler, I was fearing the worst, but I was kind of like, you know, why did you watch it then, Howard? I don't know. Fucking hell, because I'm, I'm odd. I enjoyed it. And another, another film that is really fucking simple last seen alive guess who that stars yeah it's gerard butler again well yeah i'm i'm I, I, for some reason because i'd watched plane i was like do you know what i i, I wasn't going to watch that but i did 
someone else suggested it and I did and I enjoyed it so I thought you know what I'm going to go the whole hog and I'm going to I'm I'm going to go and uh, I'm going to go and watch uh, last scene alive Will's soon-to-be ex-wife mysteriously vanishes, vanishes at a gas station. He delves into the town's criminal underbelly. Basically, he's trying to find out what happened straight after that. Again, it happens very quickly. Within the first five minutes, she disappears. And where it goes from them, like Plane, where it goes from there, is not, you know, it's not amazingly original, but it's believe. Yeah, I'm going to use the word believable and well done. And I was, again gripped that's right i was gripped i and I, I it's one hour 35 minutes again still preaching from that particular um pulpit do love 90 minute movie um but yeah absolutely real surprise real surprise i was not expecting it i mean don't get me wrong it ain't gonna change your life or anything like that but it, you kind of you get the movie you're expecting and it's maybe a little bit better than that. Now, next up is the latest movie from M. Night Shamalama Ding Dong. There's got to be a twist in my movies. There, In fact, it's got to a stage now where you go and see the movie just wanting to see the twist. While, while vacationing, a girl and her parents are taken hostage by armed strangers who demand that the family make a choice to avert the apocalypse. Now... This film is all about its twist. And for me, I, I, I'm i not saying that I'm any kind of fucking genius, right? But I saw it a fucking mile away. And so then the film became about just watching what I, which, what I knew was going to happen. And believe you me, I did know. <laughs> so it then becomes a journey of, right, can it hold my attention? Because I know what's happening here. I know what this is about. It's an hour and 40 minutes. And believe you me, I think I figured it out after about 40 minutes. So then I just watched it play out over an hour and just kind of went, yeah, yeah, okay, right, yeah, so, yeah, yeah, so I was right, yeah, and this is all, okay, fine. I can't, unfortunately get past the fact that I, I knew what was going on after 40 minutes. So ultimately, this movie is a disappointment for me. And I, I, I'm, yeah, I, I can't say any more than that, really. Disappointing. And the way it's played, I was just like, yeah, yeah. And, and to me, it's not even, it, it was so fucking obvious. Sorry, it was. But then again, I watched it with somebody who said, oh, no, I didn't see that coming. So, hey. But when the final reveal is, it's like, I, I was, it was painful for me, the final reveal, because it was like, seriously, this is, this is obviously what was going to happen. And, you know, the reveal is like, ha, ha, ha. And I just kind of felt like a bit, yeah, there's, there's really no ha, ha, ha here at all. That's just fucking obvious. But there you go. That was it. Knock at the cabin. Um, next up, Munich, Edge of War. Again, a, a a story about the First World War that I was unaware of, and it is it's kind of told from the German point of view. Um, it's really about well, 
let's say, let's read you this. A British diplomat travels to Munich in the run-up to World War II, where a former class not World War One, where a former classmate of his from Oxford is also en route, but is working for the German government. And it's about um, a, factors within the German army and government trying to stop Hitler and trying to stop a Second World War and knowing it was coming. And um, it's. I, I, yeah, I found it really, really gripping. Um, again, it's it's. I don't think it is a true story. Actually, it's based on the international bestseller by Robert Harris, um, and um, it was it, yeah. Jeremy Irons, Jeremy Irons is in it. So again, he's not in stuff that's shit. George Mackay is excellent in it. Yanis Nehona. I'm don't know if I'm doing his name right, but he's brilliant as the German diplomat. Liv Lisa Fries, she is wonderful. And, I'm, and I really I really enjoyed it. It's gripping. And it's also one of those where you go, well, I didn't know that. And the fact, you know, that it, that it is a, a fiction doesn't really matter, if I'm honest. Um, but it's based on the novel music, Munich, music? <laughs> Munich by Robert Harris. And finally, in the movie section, because there is going to be TV programmes coming up, but finally, in the movie section, is a movie I watched just last night called Unwelcome. A married couple, Maya and Jamie, escaped their urban nightmare to the tranquility of rural Ireland only to discover malevolent and murderous things lurking in the gnarled ancient wood at the foot of their new garden. Now... This film is described again. Well, it's described as a horror. It's clearly a comedy horror. Um, there's more comedy in it than horror. Who's in it? Well, um, you've got um, Hannah John Kamen. She's brilliant. She was in um, Game of Thrones, Douglas Booth. He's great in it. Colm Meany, we all know him. Christian Nairn, he's Hogor from um, Game of Thrones. Uh, Neve Cusack is in it as me. Now, the one thing I've got to say about this movie is, for me, um, it is the most unflattering portrayal of Irish people I have ever seen in a movie. Now, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm not taking offence on behalf of anybody here. I'm really not. But um, because the, the two lead British characters, the husband and wife, um, Maya and Jamie, fucking annoyed me all the time. Um, I just, I don't know, the, the, the kind of couple that if they were sat next to you in a coffee shop and you overheard their conversation, you'd want to either punch them or order your coffee to go. <laughs> That's, I mean, that's just me, you know. I'm not a very nice person, basically. But that's that's just me. Um, it's It's got a very, very, it's got a 4.9 on IMDb and lots of people saying, why is it, why is it so low? Why is, why is the overall score so low? Um, well, I'll tell you why. Because it takes fucking ages for the things in the woods to actually be revealed. Um, and it's tonally all over the place. So when it's supposed to be funny, you don't really laugh because it's either been it's either sandwiched between things that are horrific or it's just inappropriate. And the horror is kind of like, to be honest, yes, there is there is supernatural horror in it, 
the Irish people in this are so fucking horrific. You really want them to come to a very nasty fucking end pretty fucking quickly. And, I, I, you know, I just think that's a bit... I think it's a bit shit, really. It is a bit fucking shit. It's just... I don't know, I just didn't... I, I Yeah, comedy horror I love. But this was neither funny nor horrific, tonally all over the place. And, I, yeah, at times I, I was genuinely getting annoyed with it. And that's never... That's never really a, a, a good vibe, is it, for a movie? So that is unwelcome. Don't know where you'd find that at the moment if you want to find it. But, um, yeah, didn't really do it for me. So that is the movies. Now let's review some TV series. Fucking hell, this podcast is long, isn't it? And we're back. It's now, I say we, it's just me, isn't it? So, TV programmes. First up, Blackbird. Now, this is available on Apple, um, and I absolutely loved it. Jimmy Keane is sentenced to 10 years in a minimum security prison, prison, but he cuts a deal with the FBI to befriend a suspected serial killer. Keane has to elicit a confession from Larry Hall to find the bodies of as many as 18 women. Um... Based on a true story, it is absolutely incredible. Taron Egerton in the lead role is brilliant. Paul Walter Hauser is fucking brilliant. Greg Kinnear is brilliant. And in his last role for television, Ray Liotta is brilliant. And he actually passes away in the movie. And he, yeah, he really did pass away. Uh, not the movie, the TV series. Um, big fan of Ray Liotta. Loved him ever since Goodfellas. Followed his career for years. He's great in this. And it's it's actually quite hard watching the scenes he's in when you know, you know, that this happened for, for real. Um, but other than that, um, Blackbird is absolutely superb. It is gripping. It is binge-worthy to the highest extent. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of 10 out of 10 reviews for it on on uh, various sites. It, it's it's superb. And it's a one-off, absolute one-off. You know, there's no series three, four, five. It is just a one-off. And I must say, on a different point, I'm really into this limited series business because often I watch something on Netflix and you think, well, yeah, where are they going to go now? And then you get season two and go, oh, dear. And, yeah, really, really, really enjoyed this blackbird um i can't recommend it high enough it is absolutely top notch viewing brilliant acting gripping true story unbelievable the lot and something that could not be more different but is equally as enjoy well not equally as enjoyable because blackbird is something fucking special but you know what so's this yeah wednesday on Netflix. Yeah, that's right. The story of Wednesday Adams going to school. Yeah. How could that possibly be brilliant? Well, General Tegra's Wednesday is superb. Everybody in it is brilliant. Um, like, everybody is brilliant. Christina Ricci, which is brilliant because she played um, uh, Wednesday Adams way back in the Adams Family. Gwendolyn Christie, she's fantastic. Look, everybody is great in it. Um, loads of faces that you'll recognise. It's a Tim Burton TV series. And you just think, I, I never thought I'd see Tim Burton do a TV series. Well, he has. 
and it is brilliant. General Ortega is brilliant. The You can tell it's Tim Burton, the attention to detail, the little quirks, the little twists. It is absolutely just visually stunning. Gorgeous gothic feel to it. General Ortega is award-winningly good in the lead role. She is going to absolutely be showered with awards for this. I really, really enjoyed it. Great fun. Now, you know, some people may think that this, you know, is the kind of thing that is for teenage girls and boys. Well, no, it isn't. I This 52-year-old man here really enjoyed it. Absolutely smashed through it on Netflix. Loved it. Next up, TV series. Came out in 2017. It's a series called The Mist, based on the movie. And you ain't missed anything. It's a bit rubbish. Give it a go if you want. But I'm not even going to bother slagging it off because uh, myself and Mr Waller sat down and did a whole podcast on Patreon about all the things we didn't enjoy about it. And the thing is, there's some good things, but there's mostly bad. Next up, Jack Ryan, season three, Amazon. Guess what? Pretty similar to season one and two. It's nuts and bolts. It's action, but it's all it's all really well done. It's done it's done with a a kind of class that if it wasn't there, it would be a real hard watch. But as it is, it's yeah, it's it's really good. Um, it's really well done, and I'm uh, you know. I'm I'm a bit of a fan, I guess. Well, I must be, because I've done all fucking three uh, TV series. But, um, uh, yeah, it's it's just really well done. John Krasinski in the lead role is excellent. Um, Wendell Pierce, um, as his handler, is great. Michael Kelly is great. Everybody's great in it. I seem to be saying this a lot, really. Um, you know, I'm actually trying to find somebody who's rubbish, but no, everybody's pretty, pretty much all right. Um... It's it's a bit more intrigue than previous seasons. There's still all the action and everything else. Um, and um, yeah, you know, look if you've if you've if you've liked season one and two, I don't see why you wouldn't like season three. Speaking of which, this is weird, right? Gangs of London. I mentioned it previously. I did sort of sort of slag it off a bit. Some really dodgy choices and like over the top violence and all the rest of it. And then I realised when I finished season two, having basically pretty much binged season one and season two, I thought, you know what, I've got to actually give this way more credit than I seem to be giving it in my own head. I don't know what it is that... I I don't know what the problem is that I have with Gangs of London. I think sometimes it's a bit clinky. Um, It's certainly extreme, and it is really over the top. I mean, there's things that happen in it where you're like, yeah, that's really pushing the boundaries of reality but which is I guess that's where I struggle with it because Gangs of London it's set in London and it's yeah and part of it it makes you feel like this could be happening in the criminal underworld right now then things will come along that are kind of like action movie stupid and make you go oh hang on yeah, this isn't a, a gritty, realistic look at the dirty crime underbelly of London. It's a TV show that is throwing big fucking bombs around when it needs to. And, you know, it goes with the narrative fine. But I think those moments, the ones that kind of... It, it, it's just, it's an interesting choice because I think, for me, there was a really interesting series to be made about 
the gritty underbelly of London crime, and this ain't it. But it's not a documentary, you know? And, it, and it's full-on action, acting, great. I'm, again, not slagging anybody. I haven't slagged anyone off. I wish I could find somebody to slag off. Um, but, yeah, so Gangs of London, didn't expect to like it. Watched season one and two. Even at the end of season two, I was kind of like, right, okay, well, you know, it has its faults. But I'm sat there having watched every episode of season one and season two, so it's got to have something about it. Um... I just don't know what it is, really. Well, I know I know what's what's throwing me, and it is, as I've already explained, the the almost um, Hollywood kind of departure from the seedy underworld. So anyway, you know, watch it or don't. It's up to you. Next up, series nine episodes on Netflix, Kaleidoscope. Now. Um, Centred around the largest heist ever attempted, the vengeance and betrayals that surround it. Spanning 24 years, Kaleidoscope centres around the largest heist ever attempted and vengeance, scheming, loyalties and betrayals that surround it. It's loosely inspired by a real-life story where $70 billion in bonds went missing in downtown Manhattan during Hurricane Sandy. So, um... There are episodes that are absolutely gripping and brilliant and there are episodes that aren't. Giancarlo Esposito is in the lead role as Leo Papp. Rufus Sewell is in it. Paz Vega, Rosaline Elbe, Jay Courtney. Um, you know, Peter Mark Rendell, who's probably um, the only person who's not playing a cliche. Um, yeah, it's interesting. It's written by Eric Garcia who created it um, and he wrote it with us as well the series is directed by different directors each time which sometimes works in some series and sometimes doesn't maybe this is one where it kind of doesn't um, I really really wanted to like this more than I did and again I'd say certain episodes I liked a lot more than others but what I've found increasingly frustrating, and this is just me, I've got to, I'm just saying, but what I've found increasingly frustrating is when people fuck about with a timeline. They move the timeline around. So you're like, you know, you're like, you've just watched, oh, they're preparing, you know, great, they're preparing for the heist. Next episode, first screen, 20 years ago. And you're like, oh, right. And then that whole episode happens 20 years ago. And you're like, but I was I want the neck huh? why, why, why are you doing this no not a whole episode of backstory I fucking that's, that was the first episode that really pissed me off about The Walking Dead when there was like a whole episode of backstory and you're like for fuck's sake okay a bit, a bit, a bit of backstory fine but whole episodes you're taking me out of where I was I've got to go way back and it's like really just to reveal certain characters' motivations? Is it really, really worth doing that? For me, no. For me, loses a little bit of its momentum and ultimately probably ended up with me being a bit in disengaged with it. It had huge potential. It's great when it's great and it's shit when it's not. There you go. Next up, The Rig. The Rig on Amazon, full of people stuck in fog on oil rigs. Um... I mean, clearly, as soon as you, as soon as it's called the rig, and there's going to be some problems straight away. I'm thinking, oh hello, 
this is an environmental warning program, isn't it? There's going to be something about, you know, oh, the, the earth don't like us drilling her. Yeah, that's not a million miles away. But it's smarter than that. And as much as there's lots to laugh at in this, and I mean laugh at, not laugh with, laugh at, um, there's also quite a lot to like to it, like about it. I have to say that there's some shonky performances. There really is. Um, I mean, Emily Hampshire, who is the lead um, uh, female actor, is in a relationship with Martin Comston, he of Line of Duty. And I do not buy their relationship for one fucking minute. There is zero chemistry between these two. When they kiss, it's like somebody has thrown two wooden chairs onto set. It is just not... I mean, yeah, I, I get that Emily Hampshire's character is supposed to be a little bit sort of disconnected, prim and proper, but it just comes across as just a fucking lifeless cipher that I just don't care what happens about to her. So she's in it, Ian Glenn's in it, um, Game of Thrones. Uh, Molly Vivas, again, I found... Some of the female characters just seem to be poorly written. Molly Vivas is a, is a sort of... Her role seems to be, um, uh, you know, you, you've got some people who are like, yay oil, yay capitalism. You've got others like, oh, maybe the earth is fighting back. And then Molly, uh, 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 well, her character is called Hella, Heather, but her character seems to be the, oh, let's have somebody who's fucking religious for some reason. And they've got some sort of religious view of the environment. I wasn't aware that the religious view of the environment would be different to anybody else's, but apparently it is. And then... Um, there's Richenda Sandal, who is a great actress. But in this, she's just, you know, it's like she's the she's the stock lesbian. And 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 that's not a comment on um, uh, lesbianism within, you know, TV and film. It's that it's just fucking lazy. It's her character is lazy writing. She's given very little to do. And Owen Teal in this. He's a great actor. But there's times where I'm like, yeah, he's, he's fucking, this is really hammy. Now, there's a lot of really good actors in this. Emily Hampshire, Ian Glenn, Molly Ververs, Abraham uh, Popular, who again, he's given a really clumsy gay fucking storyline as well. Now, again, I'm not saying about, I don't want to make too much of a point about this, but we've got a lesbian woman and a gay man on an oil rig. I don't know, I just don't think that those odds are kind of that likely. But hey, they're there anyway, so that's fine. But they're, sh they're badly written. They're poorly written. And in fact, most of the characters are poorly written. And at times, I'm seeing really good actors deliver what appear to be wooden and shonky performances. The cast are not to blame. The series is directed by Alex Holmes and John Strickland. And I personally would aim my problem with the performances at them because clearly those directors got the performances they wanted. But for me, the performances are wooden at times. But the real, the real fucking follow-up to all of this is I watched it, I enjoyed it, watched every episode, and yeah. Now, not everybody did. A fair few people um, didn't make it to the end, and some people did, and I was one of them.
and I enjoyed it. Now, what could be, but I have, you know, put out there, I enjoyed it, but with reservation. Now, what could be more different from that than series two of Clarkson's Farm on Amazon? One of the most original TV series I've seen for a long time. Um, it's, it's, I've got to say it, it's brilliant. Whether you like Clarkson or not, um, is pretty much going to be the key. I can take him or leave him. I'm one of the, I'm one of those people. I, I realise most people either love him or hate him, but it should not be a reason for you to not watch it because Clarkson is being Clarkson at times. But when he is being Clarkson in inverted commas, he invariably comes a cropper. That's that's northern for it doesn't work out well for him, or he ends up being ridiculed, or he ends up just basically fucking up, and not in a good way for him. So. You know, I mean, if you don't like Clarkson, there is an episode where he is gets rather nastily injured in this. So you might want to watch it for that. But there is everything in this. There is comedy. There is pathos. I, um, I was cheering. I was laughing. I was. It's just insane. It's, I can't explain it other than to say, give it a go. Seriously, give it a go. Um... I binged season two in, um, uh, in fact, with a friend, binged it in, uh, I think, six episodes in a day. I'd already watched two episodes, watched six episodes with them. And then we went back and watched episode one and two again. Uh, what can I say? Really enjoyed it. Not apologising for it. Um, yeah, check it out. And finally, bloody hell, it's taken a while, hasn't it? Finally, You. Yep, on Netflix, the season You. Now... Um, sorry, not the season, the series You, which I absolutely love. It owes a very big debt to Dexter, without a doubt. But, you know, we are now into season four. It's still going. And I've watched part one of season four now, and part two is coming later this month. The thing is that, um, well, I say later this month, actually, well, as of recording, it's uh, it's coming in one day. So anyway, I'm excited about that. You'll hear me review part two. A little bit heavy on the voiceover, because the last few seasons, you've had voiceover from his wife and from other characters as well. But in this season, he's completely started afresh, and he's based in England. He's based in England. And you know what? It's not badly done. Usually, yeah you'd be like, oh my God, this is horrific. Everyone's having afternoon tea. The usual completely warped view that Americans have of Brits, that we all have afternoon tea, love tennis and, and cricket and um, all have knackered teeth and, yeah, live in a ditch. I don't know, whatever. Anyway, it's beautifully done. It's well observed and really enjoyed part two, sorry, part one of season four of you start from the beginning if you like Dexter it's definitely uh, you know it's definitely something you may like even if you don't like Dexter watch it anyway this the lead actor is wonderful the voiceover is invariably hilarious um and sometimes you know downright not hilarious just fucking twisted but um yeah 
I, I'm, I'm, I'm a fan. A da- and, and this is how it's described. A dangerously charming, intensely obsessive young man goes to extreme measures to insert himself into the lives of those he's transfixed by. And that is definitely true. And by the time we get to season four, he's actually trying to not do that because of how seasons one, two and three worked out. And he's, he's trying to change. So um, let's hope he doesn't. Otherwise, there'll be no season five. Anyway, look, that's it. Well done. Fucking hell. An hour and a half of me jabbering on about movies and TV. I hope this has been useful. I hope you've managed to get to the end. And um, anything there you want to comment on, hit me up on the socials. Uh, Thanks for listening. Please do share. I'll put any relevant links in the description, like to Patreon and to, of course, A Year in Horror with my good friend Paul. Uh, Paul Podcast. Um, I nearly said Paul Pogba, who is somebody completely different. Um, uh, But yeah, Paul Waller. I may as well actually say his proper name. So yeah, check his podcast out. Check all of my other podcasts out. But if you're listening to this, they're all going to come down the chute, down this particular feed. And I'm well aware that you're due episodes of Old Bollocks again and stuff like that. It's all, it's all in the works. It's all in the pipes. Just remains for me to say, remember, I just have opinions that's all and they're mine so you may absolutely completely and totally disagree with me that is your absolute right and my absolute right is to have these opinions and let you disagree with them or let you agree with them who cares it's all just opinions nobody's right and nobody's wrong when it comes to art when it comes to music when it comes to comedy when it comes to movies you either like it or you don't and it is what it is to you we've all just got opinions it's not linear none of us it's not maths it's you know you can't do an equation to work out if a film is good or not it's just in the eye of the beholder very much like beauty and on that note i bid you farewell until I've watched a shitload more of stuff sometime soon. Take care, catch you later, and remember, enjoy your viewing, and let me know if there's something that you've liked or hated. It would be cool to hear from you now and again. Choose your platform. Ta-ra!